0: Hey, my name is Thomas Gilbert, and you guys are listening to the Amside Podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Amside Podcast, the show that talks about all things disc golf. From weekend rounds with your mates to the pro tour over in the States, we've got you covered all from an amateur perspective. My name's Rob, and I'm here with my co-host, Dale, Dale, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what they can expect from
2: this week's show? Yes, finally, we've had some disc golf coverage. Uh, so we had the Vintage Open this weekend, which was um, another spectacle and um, some really good chasing up there. But we've had our own competition as well, haven't we? We we joined. Uh, we went to Croydon this weekend and played our first PDGA-sanctioned event. Um, so we're going to discuss that and obviously the highs and lows of that. And uh, yeah, we've, uh, we've got a special guest, I believe, um, Mr. Thomas Gilbert. So um, everything is going to be a, a packed show,ner. Uh, looking forward to it. Before we jump into that,
1: just uh, as always, I've got to give a shout out to the sponsor of the show. So Amside is sponsored by dischub.co.uk, Um and make sure you go check them out if you haven't. I know a, f- a few people in the UK scene are beginning to sort of discover what they're doing and uh, ordering some stuff from them, which is great. Uh, and I wanted to give a quick shout out to a disc that I've uh, I've just got. They uh, they're a stockist of Yeken, uh a, a brand that's beginning to find its way into a few people's bags and the Yiken Hammer is something that I just put into my bag. It's uh, a overstable putter but it's got the sort of the flight plate of a mid-range. It's just really comfy in the hand and I've kind of missed that really overstable putter slot so it was a quite an interesting one to uh to put in my bag and I'm having a bit of fun with it. So definitely go check out them uh and some of the strange and maybe alternative discs that uh, they have in stock.
2: So, Croydon and Rob. Um first things first,
1: that's a hard course it's an incredible hard course and I think it's important to preface this bit of conversation with the fact that we played it blind so um it's not too far away from where we are um but we've never played it before and as a blind course it is a very difficult blind course because there's mandos that you need to take into consideration there's OB to take into consideration. And probably about half of the baskets uh, are blind baskets. So you're going around corners, you're going around bends, you're making gaps that you can't see the baskets. So I know both of us had someone on our card that was quite well versed on the course, um, which helped and obviously getting a few tips. But uh, I mean, I you I think you had quite a good uh, weekend out. I know I, I didn't shoot as, as well as I was hoping to. Um, and I think a lot of that is course knowledge uh, and a lot of that is me also finding bushes uh, pretty much every 5 metres so uh, yeah, it's a really difficult course
2: Yeah, I, I had a target for myself I wanted to shoot a plus 800 rated round um, I, I'm confident that this weekend, once the ratings come out, that I will have that, so that's a good start um, although I think it now, looking into the BDJ rules and the PDJ rules, it now blocks me from entering into MA4, so I have to go into MA3 because it's 800 and above for MA3.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I shot around 800, maybe slightly less by a, cu- like a couple of points. Um, and I wanted to get above 800, but I'm sure within a couple of tournaments, I will, I will start hitting that And uh, because I know that's something that I'm I'm quite confident in my ability to be able to do that. Like I said, I just had quite a tricky uh, day out this weekend. Um, and yeah, I think MA3 is where we sit quite comfortably. I I think MA4, definitely when we were signing up to a lot of these tournaments that have now been postponed and postponed again, um, MA4 was probably the right choice. But now we've had a a bit of off-season, a few rounds, we're comfortable with what we're doing out in the course. Uh, I know that I'll be playing MA3 sort of going forward in the year. So, uh, yeah, look forward to seeing how I do in those uh, in in the rest of the
2: comps. Nice. I think it's it's a thing to say, Rob, that that course was very forehand dominated. If you didn't have a very strong forehand or a very technical backhand turnover, that's where you'd be punished. Um, you know, there's some holes where you've got to commit to forehands. You need that 90 85, 90 meter forehand, or a very good turnover. Um, and you know, a lot of those shots were, were difficult. I chained out for a 92 meter forehand ace. Um, and that would have been incredible. Uh, still still hunting for the ace but I've I've hit chains now three or t- three or four times in the last month two months and it's coming I know my ace is is coming
1: yeah I mean I didn't have a great round but I did get one really nice sort of 40 meter sort of throw in which kind of put a nice little smile on me for the rest of the day so uh, it's always nice if you haven't had the best of a day to get those sort of chain kisses or a, f- a few nice uh, long putts or nice throw-ins to kind of, I don't know, just revamp your energy and know that you you are capable of playing disc golf, which the score might not always reflect.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I shot a worse round in my second round than I did my first round. My first round, I was playing very conservative. You know, I didn't know where I was going. Second round, I thought I had a bit more confidence, so I was making more mistakes because I was trying more things. You know, I was throwing a forehand a little bit further out to the left to try and get it to sweep in, and, and it wasn't. Or I was trying to throw that turnover Forehand or the sort of, you know, any flex forehand, and you know, I, I didn't quite hit the line, but overall, I, I'm going to go back there. Um, I hopefully, I think i was talking to the TD. You know, there should be a two-day event at the end of the year. 100 percent Croydon is is a great track and somewhere I'll definitely be looking to play again. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a, it's a great course and one that I want to
1: I want to give a rematch to. <laughs> so uh, I look forward to getting back over there when we can. But let's not talk about. Tournaments anymore. Let's move on to the coverage that we had this weekend over in the States, over on the uh, on the on the Pro Tour. Um, it was a silver series event. We've now had a couple of these that we've discussed on the show, so we know that it's worth 25% of the tour points. Um, yeah, the uh, the purses are slightly smaller, but still it's they're incredible things to
2: win. Um, and uh
1: boy, did we have a winner.
2: Yeah, your uh, your boy Calvin did it for you. Um after weeks and weeks of, of begging, um, he, he came through um so it was uh it was good to see it put a smile on your face for sure um you know what what a great place the vintage open what a course that uh, um, arkansas is i didn't know it was known for disc golf but of uh, course is, is looking
1: great it's a beautiful course uh, i mean it was i think it was a great mix of uh touchy shots but allowing uh so obviously these guys to really open up on some of their drives as well i know uh sort of big straight drives is what Calvin sort of specializes within and definitely played to advantages there. Um, but he wasn't, he wasn't comfortably winning all the way through. So let's, let's go back to round one. Um, someone that we are seeing more and more of every single week, Gavin Rathbun. Now he shot the hot round on day one. He got a 10 under, which is, it was a great round. If you, if you look at the course, I know a few pros beat that uh, in, in the days following but um, yeah, just a great round and uh, a fantastic ace. If you haven't checked out Gavin's ace, um, it was—I still don't know how it went in. I physically saw it go in, but <laughs> it sort of turned up on its side, went sideways into the basket, hitting off the hitting off the basket. It was—it it, it, was—it was almost wizardry. Uh, it was something really, really amazing to see. So um, yeah, definitely go check that out. But second round, Heinberg came in, sort of uh, showed his hand a little bit really took that lead and he held on to it pretty much until uh, the last 18 on on round three, just with uh, sort of James Conrad making him not too comfortable up there, just chasing, finishing just two points behind Calvin. Um, but yeah, it was a great battle to have. But like I said, my boy has come away with the win and uh, I could not be happier. Um, I
2: just feel it's great this year to see players coming through that we haven't seen before and and making splash on the scene you know Gavin had as I said a great first round you know you could see there was mistakes and he was getting frustrated in that third round you know first hole getting that double bogey you know his his approach shot was thrown into the ground you know he then chained out and then the second hole the same thing you know he throws a great drive and then chains out for the birdie which would have cancelled it out and it's you can see little mistakes and it was getting to him. And it's all about that mindset. But I'm sure that this year we're going to see, we're, this isn't the last we, we're going to see of him. He's, um, he's a great player looking forward. Yeah, no, not at all. I, I, uh, I
1: think he's going to be up there in those lead cards moving forward, like you say, week on week. And um, quite frankly, it's, it's great to see him up there. It's great to see a different name, someone that we can talk about slightly differently uh, each week. Um, but let's move over to the FBO. And boy, was it a one-name story. Um, straight into the winner, Sarah Holcomb winning clear by eight points, so she shot at eight under um second place shooting even, so she was the only person that shot under on the weekend, and there was just no catching her uh, it, what it, she just had an incredible sort of uh, incredible round, her hand was on fire, her arm was on fire um but again, nice battle, the second to fourth place you sort of you had uh, Jessica Weese, Missy Gallon up there. And just three points between uh, second and fourth, and there's a little bit of movement around, a little bit of battling as well, which is what you want to see on the lead card. You do want to see some kind of movement, some bit of competition, even though Sarah Hokum, at the end of the day, just was uh, she was she was too far ahead to reach, and she just kept it that way, which uh, it was impressive to see.
2: Yeah, once again this year we're seeing first place so far ahead, and then it's the battles for second, third, and fourth. You know, we're seeing that time and time and again this year. Once someone gets ahead in the FBO, there's not usually someone, it might be one person looking to chase them. Um, but again, Missy Gannon's up there. She was my pick for last week, um, doing great. Um, we've got a little bit of inside knowledge, but she's injured her hand somehow, um, but still managed to shoot a really, really good round. So, um, yeah, once again, looking good. That takes me on to our grip picks um because i don't know about you where did you place
1: i placed in the uh in the sort of the high the high three thousands um although one one of my uh my, my number one pick last week which was uh vanessa van dyken um she, she she just sadly decided that she wasn't able to play this weekend which you know what these guys need time off uh so is absolutely fine um but i just uh i, I didn't change that pick uh, maybe some some hindsight meant that I should have, but it just meant that I sort of uh, had that automatic sort of uh, penalisation on uh, on one of my uh, one of my picks, not not playing. But uh, I think that wouldn't have mattered too much. A lot of my other picks uh, again finished quite low uh, low on the cards compared to uh, some of the guys that had great rounds.
2: She did tell you that she
1: was pulling out, and then you had time to change it. Oh, I know, I did, uh, but. You know me, I'm forgetful. Uh and um and I and I just I completely forgotten by that time it'd been locked in. But you know what? It's just a bit of fun. I mean, if I ever win the belt, yeah, that, that's a different story, but I have never even come
2: close. So uh, it's just a bit of fun and it's something I enjoy doing every week. Okay, well, it's not a bit of fun, i take it very seriously. Um, I came three hundred and forty-eighth out of nearly seven thousand picks. Is that your highest finish? That's my highest finish so far. Yeah. I was in the top one hundred at one point. Um but I had both winners. I had Heinberg and Sarah Hocum. And then, uh, well, still people are up there, Kona Panis, Missy Gannon, but then um, Casey White and Chris Clemens. You guys let me down. So I need you to redeem yourself because I'm going to keep picking you because I think you're going to do it. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good. I mean, look, I had 51 points and the winner had 28. So I wasn't too far away. Well, someone
1: that didn't uh, place too high, he was in the 40s, but still... Um still we're seeing do some incredible things over on the pro tour is this week's guest, Thomas Gilbert. Uh, we're lucky enough to sit down with Thomas Gilbert. He was another, uh, another massive arm in the sport. He's breaking distance records, left, right, and center. Uh, well, not just distance records, but he's, he's winning distance competitions, left, right, and center, I should say. Um, he won Vegas last year. Uh, since recording with him, he, he, uh, he won Vegas again this year. So he's very, uh, he's very much cemented his uh, position as that big arm over in the pro tour and i'm sure when we see some of these courses that really open up we're going to see him just crushing in those top cards so it's pleasure to sit down with him so let's jump over and hear what he has to say so welcome to the podcast thomas gilbert thanks for being with us
0: yeah thanks for having me on
1: so um it's great to have you just in case anyone doesn't know who you are could you give us a quick summary of who you are and what you're doing
0: Yeah so I'm a a disc golfer from the great north Canada. Um, I've been playing disc golf for about five years now uh, professionally the past three. This will be my fourth year and then yeah I I basically throw really far putt pretty good and uh, yeah kind of crushing on tour.
1: (laughs) Amazing so um, let's jump straight into a question that we've spoke about a little bit on the show already. We had Ezron. A few weeks back, and the big topic around that conversation was moving from a mixed bag to a sponsor-specific bag. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've obviously done a transition also with your bag, but you've gone from sponsor to sponsor. So can you talk yeah. us a little bit around the challenges that you you found around that, if there are any?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say the only challenges was like maybe finding certain runs of of discs, because like I, I knew pretty well like what discs I would want to throw from Prodigy, um, even before I made the switch. So like I knew which which discs uh like pros like Kevin Seppo Chris they like to throw and they're they're similar big arm players like myself so I, I knew the discs I wanted but then just getting the certain runs I mean like Sam about finding the good overstable domi destroyers it's the same kind of thing with uh like the D2s here at Prodigy and so I mean that was was pretty easy that way and then um but the cool thing was kind of figuring out the discs that I didn't have within a bus. So like the FX2 uh, kind of being between like a Thunderbird and a Firebird, that's opened up like a whole new shot in my game. Same with like the A2, A3. Like those those are approach discs that were never I've never had thrown before and uh, never really got to mess around with. So they, they also created kind of like a new shot in my bag, which is really cool.
2: Is there a disc that you've not been able to find yet? So you've had it in your old bag, and then you think that that gap's still missing. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I would say the trickiest thing is like the Sexton Firebird. I would say that's just the disc that is so unique. I mean, even I, I don't. I wouldn't even say you can find many Firebirds that fly like Sexton Firebirds. So it, that was definitely an interesting one, especially because I had two that were like seasoned perfectly in my arm speed. So like I had one that was beat up where I could snap it straight for like 350 feet and then it would just like barely die out at the end and so like that right now i'm using a h3 v2 because that's like a little more understable i can snap it up um to flat pretty easily but then i'm using like the fx2 or the h1 v2 for like the more overstable forehand fairways
2: how can you remember all of prodigy's discs because i get confused
0: (laughs) i mean i i've done a ton of like digging and research in the last like three months because I knew that I'd need to get comfortable and like figure what runs are the best figure out what plastic types are um like feel the best in the hand and so like yeah as soon as I, I figured out that I was switching I like dove right in I joined like three different prodigy collector groups uh was like searching through to see what runs were were like the hot runs and then uh put up a bunch of messages on these groups and got like sent probably over like a hundred discs from different people just like giving me the good runs the good uh the good discs to kind of like fit into my bag and it's been really awesome
1: nice absolutely i think um yeah we had we had nate on the show a few weeks back and the section oh, yeah. five was definitely yeah definitely unique but mm-hmm. there you mentioned um you mentioned the fans the support especially from prodigy uh, collectors and fans specifically yeah. Um you've put a video out recently on your uh, on your YouTube channel about how just amazing some of these fans are and they've spent their money to support you and what you're doing and making sure that you're getting discs that are, are gonna are gonna win you these big tournaments
0: yeah exactly
1: um another thing about the transition from Inova into prodigy that I'm really interested in is aside from the bags, obviously innova um it's it's the old man of the game it's be, it's been there forever, mm-hmm. and prodigy I think potentially has a slightly fresher feel about it is there that tonal change that came with the move
0: um yeah i would say that prodigy definitely like uh runs things a little bit differently than they have like a slightly different mindset just being a more like a newer company in the sport um and i mean as well like they had they have gone through a transition in the last year or so they actually switched ceos and so um like the new ceo is like bringing a whole bunch of new cool ideas as well. So I think that's gonna be a really big and exciting thing for the Prodigy brand coming up in these uh this next year or two, which is gonna be, I think, huge in the sport.
1: Absolutely. I mean there's some there's massive arms over on Prodigy now. I know Kevin Jones yourself, uh mm-hmm. although you say you took advice with him from the discs, but maybe don't fall over on on T shots. I mean it, it works for him, but it
0: Yeah, yeah. That no I mean yeah, I, I'm a little less uh, reliant on my footwork, I think, than Kevin. Kevin like really, really relies on like getting a lot of power from his his feet and like really bracing um, his feet on his t shots. Where like I'm, I have like a slightly quicker arm speed. Like I rotate faster than Kevin, but Kevin turns his hips and like uses that lower body, I think, more effectively than I do. And so that's why he he has so much more, uh, kind of like footwork issues or like slipping issues on the tee pads and then, then i might
1: well me and dale have uh, slipping issues as well but that's more yeah. the, that's more the british weather and when we
2: fall over it don't, doesn't go anywhere near the basket so yeah. <laughs> it's an issue we all have so um one thing i'm interested in because obviously you're self-proclaimed you, you know you've got a big arm you throw it far so when you mm-hmm. first started did you concentrate a lot on distance? Cause a lot of people in the UK, they concentrate so much of, you know, they want to throw 500 feet. They want to throw you know, as far as they can. Mm-hmm. What advice have you got for um, UK disc golfers to really take their games at the next level and, and throw it as far as they can?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would think it's, it's pretty important to kind of like learn how to throw far at the beginning. Cause that's going to get you um, like a really powerful form. And I think once you have that power and like you, Unleash that potential, then you can kind of wean down on the accuracy and the timing of that throw to be more consistent. But I think if you have a really smooth throw that's a bit slower, it's going to be really hard to kind of transition up to powerful um, once you've learned that shot. Like and you're dedicated that muscle memory. So I think going out to a field like a couple times a week, uh, throwing your arm out like every other day, is is going to be more beneficial in the long run. Uh, like learning power early and then kind of focusing on accuracy once you've got the power is going to be easier to kind of transition to than focusing on accuracy and then trying to add power. Because when you add power, it's just going to get more inaccurate.
2: Nice. I think you won Las Vegas um the distance challenge, didn't you, last year? With, uh, I think yeah, it was yes. 663 feet, which is uh-huh. further than me and Rob can throw combined with our longest distance <laughs> drivers. Yeah. <laughs> so uh you pretty much smashed that
0: yeah yeah it was fun
2: i, th- I think with distance
1: is really interesting as well so i'm uh, both me and dad are graduating at my distance and there's these different things that click and tick so you film yourself and you realize mm-hmm. you're opening up too early or you're you're you're, you're rounding yourself over too much and it's amazing yeah that, um, as soon as you make these tiny adjustments you're getting an extra 20 feet here 20 feet there yeah. um and so yeah it, it really does count just to, even the smallest adjustments can get you incredible distance
0: yeah exactly
1: so um thomas a topic that is reoccurring on this show is one that surrounds disc golf which is losing discs so obviously it's always nice when they go in the basket okay. but um losing discs is well, especially for us mere mortals it happens a lot more than we'd like um yeah for sure is there a example or a story that you can tell us about a time that you've lost a disc that was particularly special to you, or you're up at night thinking, "Oh, if only I threw that different, or used a different disc on that shot."
0: Yeah, I mean, there there's definitely a few times. I mean, I got some one of the, one of the funny kind of like disc losing horror stories that I had was at Ledgestone. Um I played around with Chandler Fry, Anthony Brella, and Adam Hemis, and in in one round, one practice round our group lost a combined total of like 32 discs wow and <laughs> so, like a, that's that a bag by far the most discs I've lost in a short period of time I think I lost like seven I think AB lost like 10 Chandler lost like six and Adam lost like Jesus. four or something <laughs> like that and like it's just the, it was a super, super windy day. out, um, And like going around that that lake there, it was just uncontrollable. And also there, there's a little river that runs between a few holes. And it, was, it just happened to be one of the days where I think it had rained a couple of days previous. So the river was like rushing. So any disc I went in the water was immediately swept away. And I actually remember I was really, really disappointed. Because I had just like a month back gotten a 2015 Sex and the Firebird from Nate's personal oh, collection. And that, that went into the river and was That's gone painful. forever.
2: That, we've had some horror yeah. stories on this podcast around losing discs, but I think that one pains me the most. First <laughs> <30 laughs> two yeah. discs lost. Um, Thomas, I've, I've uh, quite interested to find out um, when we speak to people that are on tour, what event do you most look forward to? every year you're like that is the one event if you could just play one event all year it's that one
0: um i would probably say the beaver state plank i think that's i mean because it's two of like the greatest courses on this beautiful property out in estacada oregon um like the whole scene there is is beautiful and amazing and fun um it's it's like, since it's in this big park, the, like, touring players all get together and have a blast. It's an amazing four-round event held on these, yeah, like, championship courses. And just the, the whole, like, vibe and feeling of the week is unlike any other tournament I really play. So, I think I would say if that I had to play a tournament, one tournament for the rest of my life, it might be that tournament.
2: Okay. So, moving on from a tournament, you can only play with three other disc golfers for the rest of the year. Who are you choosing?
0: Ooh. Um
2: just so that you know, you can't pick me or Rob, because we understand all right, that right.
0: <laughs> it would probably be Nate Sexton, Calvin Heinberg, and then uh, I'm trying I'm having a hard time picking the third. It, it would have to be like probably like probably Jeremy, Jeremy Colley. I think that's just like a super fun group, like serious disc golfers but also can like completely goof off and have a good time as well and like yeah they feel like they all they all have like a similar uh or not not even really similar but like like three different kind of games like we have Nate who have like four hand specialists and then calvin just like can rip any line as far as he wants and then like yeah i think the technicality and the skill level and just the personalities on that card make for a fun time
2: yeah i I could watch that i think it sounds like a good football
1: calvin's come up uh, already before on the show uh obviously i I call him the king of no emotion surely it must be frustrating when he just throws the most perfect line you can imagine and he turns around like Uh someone's just punched him in the back of the head (laughs) i mean i mean that, (laughs) that is that that must be frustrating but i know it's a running joke but I mean you know the guy better than anyone uh, than, yeah. than we do. Have you seen him smile because I'm still waiting.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've seen it. he he probably smiles quite a bit more than than he he perceives. I mean, he's very serious in tournament, I would say. Like he that's when he has his dead emotion, no no smiling, no anger, no anything. It's just like literally nothing. And so uh but like if you watch a bunch of GK Pro skins matches you see a lot more of his personality there. Like he'll he'll trash talk. He'll uh, have like this hilarious dry humor that he he likes to do with all the players, and like he'll laugh and make fun of uh, of you, and like but in like the in like the best way possible. Like you don't mind at all that he's like absolutely trashing your shots and just like throwing these insane insane shots, and it's like oh yeah, I guess uh, that's the line you want to take there, and just. <laughs> It, he's one of the funniest,
2: uh, most enjoyable players to play
1: around with. Nice. I like it. Awesome. So um, one thing I want to ask, so obviously, going off Tao's question about if you get to choose who you play with, um, we've started to see the cards for tournaments coming up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you see yourself on a card with the people, that, so if you see on your card with Eagle, e- Eagle, Paul Macbeth, the these guys, is there yeah. a sense of, okay... I'm going to struggle on that card or is it a sense of, okay, I've, I've got an opportunity to really push myself as hard as I can and show that I deserve to be up there with those guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I played with those guys quite a bit now that I, I've toured a few years. Like I probably played half dozen so rounds with Macbeth and McMahon and quite a few rounds with like Icky, Ricky, Germ, Calvin, like all those guys. So I, I think it's just a testament to like the level that I'm playing. And I think I take that as like a confidence booster. Like I'm up here, I'm playing really good. I'm going to play with these guys and I'm going to consistently play with these guys throughout the rest of the event because like I proved I can do it. I know I can do it again. So it's like, I I take it almost as like a confidence booster, almost like a little bit of a competitive boost as well to try to like, yeah, play with these guys and keep up with these guys when playing on cards with them. Nice.
1: I like it. Absolutely. I, I think you need to have the, the, the mentality of you need to play the best to be the best. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're showing, end of last season, you were showing that you deserve to be there. And uh, yeah, we, we, lo- we love loving watching you play. So we look forward to this season and, and yeah. seeing you, I mean, throw some bombs and, and sink some of those parts as well. So Yeah, uh, thank you. There is
2: one question I'm interested in and um, it's just come to my head. And just so I can, uh, I can watch it for this year, is there one hole you do not look forward to across everything.
0: Um there there is a hole. I remember I played it so so bad. Like I think my my average on the hole is like double bogey. I don't remember which hole it is. I'm pretty sure it's at ledgestone. Um I mean I don't know there's a few holes that I average over par there. But I think
2: <laughs> I think there's a few holes that many people do.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, it's, I think it's one of the par fours, and I just always either push it. I think it, it might be the baseball field hole. I know I've, I've done <laughs> I've I've done some crazy things on those courses in the past. Like I remember one round, I think I shot seven under on the front nine, and then the next round after that, I was four over on the same nine hole stretch, yeah. and so. It can be completely crazy just like depending on how accurate that day, but I think the the first run, like I chewed it, I birdied and I think I took a seven the next day. So it was it was crazy because I was only going out of bounds by like five feet long of of the basket. And we have to go to this drop zone where I went out of bounds again, had to throw from like right where I went out of bounds and then pitched up and took a I think a quadruple bogey, which was was pretty bad. (laughs)
2: Well, now you've said that, you'll go out and smash Lidstone, So I'm looking forward to watching it.
0: <laughs> Maybe yeah,
2: Winthrop's uh, hole 17. That just—I
1: mean, I—I—I—I I, I, I get scared watching that hole. It's not even a death putt; it's a death drive. So um, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the one that I would.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually not—I'm not that bad on that hole so far. I mean, my first year of of playing it, I was three under through the four rounds. I went ace, birdie, birdie, bogey and so I mean I, I played that hole pretty pretty good in the past so I, I hope to just kind of like I think I'm I'm still under par on that hole for all of the times I've ever played it so I hope to keep it that way
2: I think mine would also be Wimfrock but I think it'd be hole I think it's six the massive par is it five or four where you've got the big lake just before you get to the beach hole
0: oh yes yeah hole five yeah, yeah. I just physically That's intimidating hole.
2: it would it, the water scares me too much
0: um, yeah, so yeah for sure
2: i think we've got one more question i think this could be
1: a sort of maybe an inspirational answer we hope it could be so you say that you've been playing for five years could you walk us through the moment you took the plunge and decided to to go on tour to ded- dedicate yourself to, to playing disc golf because obviously it's paid off great things are we're, we're seeing great things mm-hmm. i think um uh, touring professionals isn't Really, a thing yet over in the UK. We've just got a couple of players that have hit that 1,000 rating. Um, but yeah, talk us through that feeling of, yeah. of of making that plunge and and taking the jump.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was an interesting story because, like, yeah, our our scene up in Canada was probably similar to your guys' scene in the UK right now, where we only had like 2,000 rated pros in the entire country. And so, like, I I was playing on the pro field in, I think it was 20. 17 and i was i was doing pretty well like i was getting top three almost every single weekend like finishing first at a few events and then i remember the the best player in canada at the time martin hendel he um he was like touring on and off in the states and so i asked him at one of the events if i could ride down with him and his sister sandy Hendel um to i think it might have been pro worlds and Uh, yeah, I went down with them in, I think like the middle of 2017 and that was my first, my first, uh, tournament or my, maybe my second tournament in the States. Um, but yeah, they, they brought me down there. I was like super, super excited, like antsy the entire way down, um, I had a really, really fun time. I mean, I didn't place very well. I think I got like a hundred or something at worlds, which I mean, it was still a lot of fun. I averaged, I think, like 20 points in my rating, but that just shows how competitive of a field it was at that point in time. Uh, but yeah, like that—that that got me the kind of the taste of touring. And so after that, I was like, oh my god, I have I have to do this. I I finished up high school, um, I think that summer, and then at the beginning of 2018, I played like Vegas through GBO and then that was like my first time like full-on touring down in the states and that was just an amazing moment and like in my life and that's where i was like okay this is this is what i'm doing this is what i have to do and yeah it's been an amazing journey ever since been playing a whole bunch of tournaments since then and yeah i hope to continue that in the future
2: i think it turned out all right didn't it
0: yeah yeah it turned out pretty good <laughs> <laughs> awesome man
1: well thomas um Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, please shout out your social media where our, our listeners can go and find out more about what you're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would say I'm probably the most active on my Instagram. So that's Thomas Gilbert 54. Um, every every so often, I hope to post on my YouTube channel. So that's, that's Thomas Gilbert. Probably can find it through Thomas Gilbert Disc Golf and then as well on Facebook, uh, Thomas Gilbert. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Thank you to my sponsor, my new sponsor, Prodigy. They've helped me out a lot on tour this year. So really appreciate them. And uh, thank you to you guys for having me on.
2: No, it's been awesome, man. Um, It's been great chatting and uh, we look forward to seeing how you get on this year.
0: Yeah,
1: me too. Well, hopefully we can have you back on at the end of the season. We can talk about all the wins that you uh, managed to pull off. So, uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah, I hope so.
1: (laughs) Brilliant. Well, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Lots of awesome things there from Thomas Gilbert. Uh, like I said, we sure he's going to be up there in those top cards uh, in some of these competitions to come when he does, and when he does get those nice open fairways that he can really open up on and show people just how far he can throw some plastic. So uh, look forward to seeing him on live coverage coming up. No, definitely.
2: And, you know, he, he's just switched bags, and it's it's going to be difficult. You know, he's, he's learning that bag, and I'm definitely sure that he's going to be be up there. Um, but looking into next week, we've got Jonesborough. Uh, very much looking forward to this one. One of my favourite tournaments of the year, uh, and we have got a stacked field again. Yeah, it's it's great to see. I mean, those
1: Silver Series competitions—they're great to watch. Last day coverage, you know, it's still a little bit. It feels that disc golf need that we have, but these uh, these these big events—the ones that we look forward to every year—these are the ones that are, they really get us going. And Jones was uh, no exception to that. So it's great to see some of the, these uh, big players. And I think there's going to be some exciting play. I reckon there's uh, going to be a lot of battling because Jonesborough is a course that people know really well. I mean, most of the card know that course. They know which lines they're going to take even before they arrive. So, uh, yeah, I expect we're going to see some big scores um, in this weekend. And, uh, yeah, so, Dale, normally uh, normally I start my predictions. Why don't we uh, flip it around? Who do you have this weekend?
2: Okay, so, uh, MPO, I have... Uh, Portmouth because generally think you know he hasn't played he's had a few competitions off now he's ready he's raring. i've been watching some of his youtube videos he's looking he's looking hot uh fpo i know paige pierce is back i, I don't know uh, she hasn't really got off the mark this year um so uh, unless she's gonna make make a name for herself this week i don't know but i'm going to own scoggins um i think she's a great player and uh definitely someone that's been up there this year and i i think she's going to take it down and someone that's
1: definitely not shy of winning as well which is uh, so i think that's probably quite a safe pick uh and, and i'm sure she'll be up there uh, if not at the top so i think that's uh, yeah some, some sensible picks there uh, i'm going to join you over on the npo with paul Macbeth. um which some people might think i'm crazy because i've gone calvin Heinberg pretty much every week he won the competition he won this event last year so you might say, okay, surely he's hot right now. Surely this is the time to back him. But someone that knows this course very well is Paul Macbeth. I don't think he's been performing as well as he wants to perform this year. And uh, one thing we know about that him is that he uses that as fuel. And uh, normally, when he gets angry, he starts getting uh, he starts getting the lines that he's asking for. So yeah, I think I'm going to go Macbeth. And I uh, I think again, even if he's not on that top spot second and third, he's going to be there. So uh, I think fairly safe with that pick. FBO, I am going to go with Paige Pierce. Um, I think, again, she hasn't had a uh, hottest start to the season, but I think this is one where she can come back and she can do some damage. We know she has the distance. We know she has the control, everything that you need to to throw well at were So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go for arguably the faces of disc golf, uh, currently, uh, uh, Paul and Paige. And yeah, that's what that's what I'm, I'm locking it in. Uh, the final answer, Chris Tarrant, that's what's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's what's going on my slip.
2: Well, wish you luck. And um, I'm sure our picks will be out middle of the week and then we'll see how we, uh, we get on. Uh, I think it's currently now four, two to you. So you're still up, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll see how we get on this week. Oh, you know
1: what? I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying being the lead, but I think we're going to be swapping that, uh, swapping the top spot on our picks. uh throughout the season but before we go i just wanted to give a shout out to the sponsor of the show This show wouldn't be possible without the support of the wonderful sponsors that we have on board so a big shout out to dischub.co.uk again and if you do order through them make sure you use our code amside5 you'll get five percent off your order so it's always nice to get a little bit off uh a little bit off when you're ordering some new plastic
2: yeah absolutely definitely uh definitely check them out and uh, whilst you're checking them out, make sure you check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at the AmSide podcast. Um, we post content on there all the time, uh, from our own rounds to uh, these podcasts going onto all your major platforms, as well as YouTube now. Um, so get subscribing, get liking, get sharing. Um, but guys, until next week, if I don't see you on the course, we'll see you on the AmSide.